0: Hi, guys, welcome back to Vibing and Thriving with me, Sierra Wagner. Um, We're here for the second episode today. I just wanted to give a big shout out um, and express my gratitude to every friend, family member, stranger, everyone that listened to my first episode. Um, I was really blown away with all the compliments and everyone saying that they enjoyed it. So I wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate that. And it's so exciting to hear such, you know, positive feedback from, you know, friends and family members about something that I'm super excited to be doing and super passionate about. Um, Like I said in the previous episode, I've always wanted a talk show. So this is super exciting. So I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. Um, But without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode, which is going to be about growing pains. And it's not going to be, you know physical growing pains i think a lot of us are over the physical growing pains now i guess the growing pains we have is like wow our knees hurt my back hurts i I didn't know this was going to happen in my mid-20s um but instead i think i'm going to talk a lot about emotion not i think i know i'm going to talk a lot about emotional growth so i got the inspiration from a pinterest quote um for anyone that wants to know I mean, no one's asking, but I'm just going to say it anyways. I love Pinterest. It's probably one of my favorite forms of social media because you can just like aimlessly scroll. And a lot of it is, especially your um, like for me page or whatever it is, it's um, curated to everything you like. So I love scrolling there. It makes me happy. Um, but I saw this one quote that said growth will also feel like loss. Remember that. And it was, it really stuck out to me because I thought, wow, that is so true. When we're growing and going through something and, you know, we start at point A and we get to point B and we change a lot. There's a lot of times that little wiggle room in between is really messy. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, growth does feel like loss. A lot of the times when we grow, we mourn, um, And I'll get more into that, but it was like, I was like, wow, this is what what I want to talk about for the next podcast episode. And I think my listeners and my friends, we've all experienced growth um, and growth doesn't end. Um, As teenagers, I think we expect to go through growth and it's normal and it's a rite of passage You know, you start high school, at least I did at 14, and I graduated at 18, and 14 to 18 is such a big age difference. You know, I remember when I was 14, I'd never been kissed, never dated anyone, obviously never had sex since I was never kissed, and by the time I graduated high school, I had my heart broken, I had been in fights with friends, I had, you know, I had sex, so I I was, it was more adult, adult adult-like, and that was only four years, but it was a lot of growth. I don't think we're totally prepared from our caregivers, our family members, for the growth that's going to happen between 18 and 30. And I know I can't speak for 30 since I'm only 25. I'll be 26 in December. Um, But we're never set up for that type of growth. We're never told how to process our emotions. Honestly, the only piece of advice I ever really remember getting from adults When I was like, I'm going to say like 13, 14, those ages. And even a little bit older was like, don't grow up. You don't want to be an adult. It's a trap. And that's literally all I was ever told. I was never told anything else. Like, oh, adulthood is, you know, it's going to be messy. It's going to be this. I kind of feel like they, they meaning our caregivers and our family members and our parents and whatever kind of adult supervision or adult relationships looks for you because I know it's different for everyone else um, they just kind of throw us it's like a baby bird getting bumped out of a tree to learn to fly it's just like well we gave you the tools hopefully I I hope you can do good but I don't think we're always given the tools and it might be a symptom of our generation and the generation that raised us um, and I've watched a lot of interesting videos about how the silent generation raised the boomers um and then because they didn't really know what to do they just kind of left them to their own defenses and then you know boomers they raised gen x and you know gen x and, and boomers with millennials and then i would i consider myself a zillennial because i know i have millennial tendencies and i relate a lot to generation gen z but I wouldn't say I'm either one of those like I would never be like, "Oh, I'm gen Z and I don't think I would ever say I'm a millennial i know there's a we're gonna there's a lot of different um opinions on that, but I do definitely think between about like nineteen ninety five to i'm gonna say two thousand and one it is a very we have a very different like divide in us um and one thing I like to one way I like to think of this is is that you know, the Jonas Brothers and uh, Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez, they were all born in about, like, 92, the late 80s to about 92, and they were, like, our entertainment. I remember being in, like, fourth grade when Hannah Montana and the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody came out, and they're not that much older in real life from us, but I feel like we're, like, lumped in to a different generation since those last millennials like the youngest millennials were our form of entertainment but anyways I'm getting off topic which I'm really good at doing and I'm really good at rambling and I'm really good about going in every direction like some maze to get to the to the end point and it never makes sense Um, and I'm probably gonna say I'm a lot but anyways I don't think we as a generation have been, and, and it's obviously not for everyone because some parents have set up their kids to emotionally process things. Um, I don't think we were ever set up and given the actual tools to emotionally process adulthood because adulthood is not fun. And maybe if they told us what adulthood was like, no one would want to be an adult. So that might just be a different, a whole different um, ball game. But, and I and I understand that not everyone is given the privilege to grow up. Um, a lot of people are taken from life and this world way too soon. So I do recognize my privilege for being able to grow up and go through growth. Um, but it's still messy and no one talks about it. I always, one thought I've always had, um, definitely when I was younger, my early 20s was that I remember being really impacted by young adult novels, um, especially The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think I read that in when I was like 16 or 17, and that was a really, I'd say, high point for being anxious and depressed and not really knowing it. I just kind of always had this like pitted sadness not even sadness, but if any, if you've gone through depression, um, and you're listening to this, I feel like you would know what I'm talking about because it's kind of hard to describe besides just saying depression, but I remember going through it and I felt, I felt a little guilty for feeling that way and I felt like no one else, um, felt that way and then I read The Perks of Being a Wallflower and I thought, wow, I'm not the only person that feels this way and I felt so connected, to Charlie, I really made the perks of being a wallflower a personality trait, which I think a lot of us did, because um, it was like that 2012 time period when Logan Lerman made the movie, and Emma Watson was in it, and it's a fabulous movie, hands down, probably one of my top five movies to date, um, and it was all on Tumblr and stuff like that. But I would always think, as I got older, that there was all these young adult novels. Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, things written by um, John Green, Nina LaCour, there were all these different novels that I read, you know, 13 Reasons Why, all these, these young adult novels that shed light on the mental health issues the teenagers are going through, and I quickly did not feel alone. But when I got older, and I got, you know, college age, I read books still, but I was like, okay, I can either read adult books about marriage or these books written for teenagers. And I always felt like there was no media in between. And there might still not be. Um, I, I guess I would say, like, any, Sally Rooney, um, the Irish author, she's a really good in between, between that, like, teenage years and high school. A lot of her books kind of transcend. I know normal people, um, Marianne and Connell, go from we meet them in high school and it ends with them in college or in university and like graduating and stuff. So she does a really good job about that, but there aren't a lot of books to um, help with that feeling. We're just, we're just kind of there. We're just kind of floating. We're vibing. Um, and it's, it's so confusing. And I know in the previous episode, I mentioned my own mental health journey, um, but I always feel like, my mental health and my mental health journey and getting hospitalized was kind of this it was a catalyst in my life um because I always and I still do I like to present myself as someone that's very with it and has it going on and I'm just you know I'm fine and I'm doing fine and even last night I was talking to a friend and she was like oh I'm glad you're doing fine and i said oh no it's a facade like my life is in shambles but the only thing i really know is to just go with it i've gotten better about processing my emotions um definitely since i was 19 but i'm going to dive into my mental health journey so at 19 i was hospitalized for suicidal ideations for i think like 5 days and then after i got discharged from the actual like psych ward i went to and it was still considered hospitalization. I went to every day during the week for about two and a half weeks. I went to group therapy every day. Um, and we would talk about emotions and learning to cope with things, and we would talk one-on-one with counselors and therapists and psychologists. Um, and it was a very eye-opening experience for me. Um, like I said, I was 19 when it happened. So I was put in an adult unit. I did not feel like an adult I was like I am still a child and obviously I don't want to talk too much about other people's personal lives um, not that I really remember their names but you know a lot of people these adults that were in there they had a lot of trauma they had a lot of issues they had you know real-life trauma that really affected them you know they'd been sexually abused and experienced drug abuse and alcohol addiction and all these different things and I really couldn't put to words why I was in there I would sit in these group sessions just so quiet because I was so embarrassed I was like oh my gosh I am here and I don't really I don't feel like I have these real issues I knew I would say from about 12 I was depressed I had these feelings when I was 12 that I didn't want to live anymore but I would just kind of push through it because I was like I don't want to talk with anyone about it. Um, I had a lot of body image issues. I didn't look like everyone else that I went to school with and it was I just kind of internalized it. I'm really outgoing. I'm really outspoken and I would just kind of put on a mask and then you know I would go home and I would hang out in my bedroom and cry or I would be you know on tumblr and the internet and it felt for me like I could escape to the internet and stuff and be myself if you if someone would go through my tumblr like way 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 back in the day I've probably reblogged so many depressing quotes and tweets and different things and it was in a way a cry for help but no one no one ever I think knew or was aware or I just played it off like it really wasn't you know that big of a deal so I was 19 when I was hospitalized and I would say what really pushed me over the edge was a really toxic relationship that I had with my I'm gonna say high school sweetheart although he was not a sweetheart it was like a sour patch kid that was just sour like you know how the saying is like sour patch kids sour sweet gone. it was just sour there was no sweetness there was sour and then there was gone um and I don't I'm, I'm not I'm. gonna say like oh it's all his fault that I was depressed and it's all his fault because I experienced depression way before that and I experienced depression after I got out of the hospital it wasn't a one thing kind of you know a one situation fits all but basically we were in a toxic relationship for about two years from my senior year of high school until the end of my freshman year of college and it was just back and forth and back and forth and I didn't trust him and I was lied to and it was just really really toxic and I thought I knew better than everyone else um i'm really persistent about things and i'm going to go after what i want almost to an obsessive level which is what i did with him and it got really bad because i had i feel like an addiction to being so obsessive and acting out um but eventually you know he cheated on me and that really i was like okay what's so wrong with me that you don't want to be with me and you're going to lie to me and you're going to cheat on me and i'm worthless and I just spiraled out of control, and there were months before that I worked I've always pretty much had a job um, ever since a young age, but I worked at a restaurant um, in town, and that's actually where he and I met he's the same age as me, so it wasn't like I was meeting some like old dude he was a high schooler I was a high schooler um, but a lot of the the people I worked with knew at the time that it was not a healthy relationship and you know, now looking back, they were like 23-year-old women, 24-year-old women. So now thinking about it, I would give this advice to an 18-year-old. Um, even women older than that and men, and they'd be like, Sierra, I don't know why you're doing this. It's, it's not good for you and he's not worth it. And, you know, they'd be like, you're gonna see it in the end. You're gonna see it in the end. And I was like, no, I want to be with him. Um, which is funny to think about now. Um, but at the time I was just so blind to it all. I was looking at red flags with rose colored glasses and saw them as white flags. That's one saying I really love. Um but I was stubborn. I didn't want to listen to anyone. I was eighteen. I thought I knew better than everyone else, and in hindsight, I should have should have listened to them. Um but that is what caused me to be in the mental, ho- mental health hospital in a facility. And I would say it was a really good, it was an eye-opening experience for me. I was able to recognize in there my privilege. You know, I had not been abused by my family members. I wasn't sold, not that this happened, but you know, you hear these stories. I wasn't sold by my mom to someone for drugs. None of that happened to me. I still had trauma and I still had a lot of heavy emotions, but I didn't I didn't have what a lot of these people had, which was just pure trauma. These really traumatic experiences that um just weren't good for anyone, you know, and it was eye-opening to me because I thought like, wow, I I don't have it that bad like this breakup sucks and I'm glad I'm learning how to process my emotions and I'm glad I'm learning the tools to process my emotions but it didn't have to come to here but I'm glad it did um and I still struggle with my mental health but it was a really it was a, a moment of growth for me because I went into the hospital Um, in July of 2015 as one person and by I'd say August of 2015 I was a completely different person and actually I felt more like myself like the the self that I knew was in there and I at that time I was transferring universities so I transferred to another university I then saw a therapist every week I loved her very dearly We talked all the time, and, you know, she was someone that was really influential um, in my life at the time. I remember joining a sorority, and I would say, you know, a lot of people can say, like, oh, you paid for your friends. I'm still really close to a good amount of my sorority sisters, and I would say it was their their support, their sisterhood, our camaraderie that really made me feel better about myself. And I was never shy about my I you know, I was very open and I have been very open about the fact that I went to a psych ward. I never wanted to be someone that was closeted about it because I always felt if I could share my story, you know, to friends, to family, the internet, whatever, then maybe someone else could have the inspiration to say like, "Hey, I'm not feeling really good." or, you know, get the inspiration, I'm not feeling good, and, you know, I know this helped you, maybe this is what I need to help, need to help me. Um, so that was a big moment in growth for me as a young adult. Um, I was 19 and a half when it happened. So it set me, it definitely gave me building blocks. Um, and I know growth is definitely inevitable, but I do think the level or the effort that we put into our own growth varies between human beings. Um, And I'm really guilty, I'm going to be honest, I'm really guilty of thinking that everyone that lives in my small hometown, especially the people that chose to stay here, people that I graduated with, um, you know, and didn't graduate, people that I was just peers with in high school and stuff, I have this mindset all the time and I'm really guilty of it to think like, well, you're not growing because you never left. Why would you want to be stuck here? And it's a really ignorant um, outlook on staying in Western Pennsylvania, because not everyone wants to leave Western Pennsylvania. And now I acknowledge that. But at the time, ta- you know, at the time, I say at the time, and I mean like a week ago when I was talking to one of my best friends. Um, but ever they still experience growth. It might be different. Than the growth I have experienced because a lot of the growth I have experienced has been at my own accord um so you know they're definitely they're growing in their own ways and staying in your hometown it can um hinder a lot of people from growth but it's definitely a naive and ignorant outlook that I have on growth um so i personally i would say besides you know experiencing a lot of growth at 19 during the mental hospital chapter of my life i experienced a lot of growth between 21 and 24. so i moved to colorado completely alone when i was 21 in my little subaru impreza i had two friends that came and helped me move To Colorado. We drove from Pennsylvania to there. It took a really long time. I had a car top carrier strapped to my car with all my clothing in it because I couldn't fit it inside my car. And it was a really hard experience for me. I'm actually now getting Snapchat memories from four years ago when I moved there. And it's kind of bringing back all those emotions. So when I first moved there from, I'd say, about like August to. November-ish I didn't have a lot of close friends I chose to live since it was a resort town I chose to live in an employee housing and I had some roommates and stuff and we were definitely close and we would talk about emotions and you know I had one really good experience with a roommate we actually ended up moving into like a one-bedroom apartment in employee housing and we had a lot of similarities as far as like our mental health like both having mental health struggles and whatnot, Um, and it was really nice and comforting to have her around, and she's definitely someone we don't, obviously we don't live in the same area now, and we're not super close friends, but every time I see her on social media, like, doing really good for herself, I'm like, yeah, you go, you go, girl, Um, but I would say, like, August 2017 until around November of 2017, I did not have a lot of friends when I lived there. And it was hard for me because I had a lot of friends when I was living back in PA. And I, all my friends were in school. They were going to frat parties. They were doing this. And I know to my friends, they were like, well, we saw you on social media. And this is the point social media is fake. But they were like, we saw you on social media and you were just living your best life in Colorado. But to me, it felt like loss. I was like, I'm out here, I'm alone. I'm just doing my own thing. I'm paying rent. I'm paying my car payment. I, I was like, this is a lot of leveling up. Like this is too much leveling up. Um, and every single moment of growth in Colorado that happened to me when I was completely removed from that nuclear, nuclear support system that I had in Pennsylvania, it was, there was a lot. And now I, I, you know, and now looking back, I'm like, well, it wasn't that bad. Like, you got through it, Sierra. It was a good time. Um, But I slowly started making friends. And I would say the friends that I made there, I know I said this in the previous episode too. Um, The friends that I made in Colorado, there's about three or four of them. We're all still really close. I can talk to them about anything. And, you know, they're really important to me. And I really cherish them. But I would say those were the, those were moments of growth. That just really like hit me when I moved there I remember you know having to set up a post office box by myself and having to go to the mechanic by myself and get my oil changed and all these like little adult things that were I was like wow my mom's not here to help my dad's not here to help my pap's not here to help me I have to do this on myself and not that my family wasn't supportive I could call them at any single moment and they'd be like hey, yeah, okay, this is what you need to do, like, we'll help you out. So I definitely had their support. But I remember those three years that I lived in Colorado, being so impactful to my young adulthood. And I always, when I was leaving Colorado, um, last summer, when I was moving back home, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, one day, if I ever write a book or a biography about myself or if I ever have a wikipedia page I definitely want there to be like a little blurb about the time that I lived in Breckenridge because it has been you know it was only three years but it was so impactful to my life Um, I think if you have the opportunity to leave your hometown and to go somewhere else not even it doesn't have to be for three years I remember saying like I just want to I told my family you can't let me come back until ski season is over and so for those that don't know ski season um runs from about November to March April kind of give and take it depends on conditions of the snow and I was like that's how long I have to stay there um anything I, I don't want you to let me come home in January I want you to say you need to suck it up Sierra um because I knew that would be really beneficial for me to stay out there and grow as a human being and being away from situations and people and things and just to be my own human being and I ended up staying there for three years which is really funny because I didn't ski I wasn't a really outdoorsy person I thought I was going to be outdoorsy I'm a city girl I my idea of outdoors is walking through a park um but i just i didn't have the people to confide in every single day that i did i mean i eventually had those people um but i learned a lot about myself i learned how to be an adult how i wanted to treat other people how i wanted other people to treat me how how to do so many things and it was so eye opening for me and I think the one biggest thing it taught me was that I'm capable of accomplishing anything I want in my life, especially after um, going to the, you know, the mental health, going through to the psych ward um, and dealing with all those things. Not that I felt unworthy, but I've always had really lofty dreams for myself. I've always had pretty big goals and I remember being like well I'm 19 and this is happening and it's derailing me because I really had this naive outlook on growth and life that I was just I was going to go to college from 18 to 22 and then I was going to graduate and I was going to get my dream job and I was going to move to a city and then I was going to find someone and marry them and you know I'm 25 turning 26 um, in December and I kept thinking like back then I was like I'm gonna be married by then I'll be in law school no none of that has happened and it's okay it's okay that none of that has happened we all grow and move at our own pace and I always love the quote that's like a butterfly can never see its own wings and it doesn't know how beautiful it is and that's how you are and you know a butterfly does grow from like a little itty bitty caterpillar into the beautiful butterfly that we see flying around and then you know Doing whatever it does, but we were butterflies. We grow through things as human beings. And I think it's really important to remember where we came from and where we're going. And every day is an opportunity for growth. I don't think it ends at a certain age. And I don't really think it ends ever. We just have to continue to choose growth every single day. We have to choose to, I don't want to say level up. Um, cause it isn't about being better than anyone. It's about being better than the person you were the day before. So, you know, if you were mean and you were angry at the whole world and not that anger is bad, anger is a totally valid emotion. Um, I don't think it's low vibrational. I hate when people say like, oh, anger is so low vibrational, like no anger, anger is valid and a lot of the times it just means you really really care about something and it's okay to be angry and I think I think it's good to recognize the difference between anger and annoyance it takes a lot for me to get angry angry it does not take a lot for me to get annoyed I'm annoyed at everyone every single day of my life um so I think that's something good to recognize too but um I think we as human beings, we just have to choose to grow every day. And it could be something so little as, hey, I got out of bed today. I ate breakfast. I talked to my grandma. I was nice to someone. I smiled at the person that gave me coffee from, you know, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. Or, you know, I chose to help someone. And I think those are always really important things to recognize and realize that growth doesn't have to look like something really crazy. It can just be a bunch of little steps. And then when you get to the end of the year or at the end of a chapter and you step back and you look at it, you're like, wow, I did that. Um, I just had the idea in my head, you know, when you're painting a picture, there's all these little, little strokes and all this. And, you know, if there was only one stroke on a canvas, it would not look like much of anything, but the strokes and the shading and the emotion, when you step back, you're like, wow, that's a whole picture. That's a whole, you know, that's a whole person. Everything that we go through, we grow through. Um, so I think that's all I have for today. I feel like I rambled a lot about growth. Hopefully it was eye-opening. Um, hopefully you got something good out of it. I just wanted to say again, thank you for everyone for listening. Um, Vibing and Thriving can be found on all pa- all platforms where podcasts are found. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Um, so thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week ahead of you.